0: Out tonight. Well, good evening. It is good to see all of you out tonight. We are glad that you are here with us. Our lesson for tonight is the forty-eighth lesson in our one-word series, out of fifty-three. So we've only got five more lessons after this one. But our lesson for tonight is atonement. The simple meaning of atonement is, or has been put as at one at one From the Old Testament to the New Testament, sacrifices made for the sins of the people were made to make them at-one with God. And atonement for us today works the same way. It makes us at-one with God. Going back to the Old Testament, without such sacrifices, it was impossible for God's people to be reconciled to Him. And even today, sin stands between us and God, unless it is in some way atoned for. And so we see the importance of atonement in that regard. The atonement for our sacrifice in the Christian age is Jesus. His death, burial, and resurrection was the atoning sacrifice that was made for us. And because he was without sin, his was the perfect, once for all sacrifice that we needed to be reconciled to God. Our lesson objectives for tonight to learn the biblical meaning of atonement, to learn of our own need for atonement. And to learn what was necessary for our atonement. And how this atonement was made for us. We begin by going all the way back to the book of Leviticus. And the day of atonement. We've discussed this a little bit with the word propitiation I think it was. Uh, We'll we'll look at it again. In Leviticus 16, we read of of the instructions that were given to God's people through Moses on how to atone for their sin. Uh, Just as atonement is necessary for us today, it was also necessary for God's people Israel in the days of the Old Testament. When we look at Leviticus 16 and especially the first ten verses, uh, we'll notice those for a moment, We read of the sacrifices of a bull and a goat. And we'll see how these apply. Leviticus 16 and verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron. When they offered profane fire before the Lord and died. We are probably in memory of of Leviticus chapter 10. And when we go back to Leviticus chapter 10 we read of of Nadab and Abihu and the profane fire that they offered and so they were punished. They died. These were the sons of Aaron. And so this is after that has happened. After the death of the two sons of Aaron when they offered profane fire before the Lord and died and the Lord said to Moses tell Aaron your brother not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat which is on the ark, lest he die. For I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. Thus Aaron shall come into the holy place with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering and of a ram as a burnt offering. He shall put the holy linen tunic and the linen trousers on his body. He shall be girded with a linen sash and with the linen turban he shall be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore he shall wash his body in water and put them on. And he shall take from the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats as a sin offering and one ram as a burnt offering. Verse 6, Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to let it go as a scapegoat into the wilderness. Instructions were given by God as to how these sacrifices were to be presented. The sacrifice of the bull was for Aaron, for himself, and for his household. And the sacrifice of the goat was to be made for the people. In regard to the goats, he was to cast lots, and the lot that fell to the Lord, the Lord's goat was the one that was to be sacrificed for the people. The other would be set free. The sacrifices made on the Day of Atonement were to be made each year as a reminder of their need for atonement, uh, as a propitiation in some way for them. In Leviticus 16, beginning with verse 29 Reading through the end of the chapter. Leviticus 16 and verse 29. This shall be a statute forever for you. In the seventh month. On the tenth day of the month. You shall afflict your souls. And do no work at all. Whether a native of your own country. Or a stranger who dwells among you. For on that day. The priest shall make atonement for you. To cleanse you. That you may be clean from all your sins. Before the Lord. It is a Sabbath of solemn rest for you and you shall afflict your souls it is a statute forever and the priest who is anointed and consecrated to minister as priest in his father's place shall make atonement and put on the linen clothes the holy garment garments then he shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary and he shall make atonement for the tabernacle of meeting and for the altar He shall make atonement for the priests and for all the people of the assembly. This shall be an everlasting statute for you, to make atonement for the children of Israel, for all their sins once a year. And he did as the Lord commanded Moses. As the Lord had commanded them, so it was done. These sacrifices were continually made until there was no need for those sacrifices any longer. It was to be a statute. It was something to be recognized by the people each year. As we read of these animal sacrifices, we also understand that there was insufficiency in these animal sacrifices. As we learn in the New Testament, In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. Hebrews 10, and beginning with verse 1. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered For the worshippers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sin. But in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. Though they atoned for the sins of the people for the time in which they were offered... They were continually necessary from year to year because they could not take away the sins of the people. The need for a greater sacrifice, one that could take away their sins, was necessary. God knew that. And it was in God's plan from the beginning. As we see in in the fullness of time, Christ did come and He offered Himself as that perfect sacrifice. Go back to Hebrews chapter 9 and pick up reading with verse 23. Hebrews 9 and 23. Therefore it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens should be purified with these the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us, not that he should offer himself often as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood of another He then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the end of the ages, He has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. For those who eagerly wait for Him, He will appear a second time apart from sin, for salvation. So Christ offered Himself as a perfect sacrifice in which to atone for our sins. That leads us to our second point. Jesus, our atoning sacrifice. Jesus, our atoning sacrifice. One of the things that that we learn in Scripture is that man is not without sin. And because he has sin, he is in need of atonement for his sin. Turn with me to Romans chapter 3. We'll read several verses here. Romans chapter 3 will begin with verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all, for we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that, that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore by the deeds of the law no flesh will be justified in His sight for by the law is the knowledge of sin. The cause of man's need for atonement we find that Christ becomes the atoning sacrifice, the propitiation for our sins. Romans 3 verse 21 But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood, through faith, to demonstrate His righteousness. Because in His forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness. That he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Through our faith and obedience, we are justified in Christ. His blood cleanses us from our sins. And he becomes the justifier of our faith. But what qualifies Jesus to be our once for all atoning sacrifice? Jesus lived on the earth as we do. But we find that a difference between the way that Jesus lived on earth and the way that we live today is that He lived without sin. Hebrews 4 and verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted, as we are yet without sin. And we might ask, how was Jesus... Tempted. He was the Son of God. He he was. He would overcome anything. How was he tempted? We know that he was tempted. We know that he was tempted because scriptures tell us that he was tempted. Matthew chapter four verses one through eleven. Matthew four beginning with verse one. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. We're told here that he was tempted. Lust of the flesh. Hunger. It was something that that he desired. He wanted food because he was... In a human body, he was tempted. He was tempted as we are. But he answered in verse 4 it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Verse 5 Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written, again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Think of what Jesus was going to go through in his sacrifice on the cross. Don't you think it was tempting for him to be given authority over all the kingdoms? Without having to go to the cross, so that everyone would know who he was. But Jesus said to him in verse 10, Away with you, Satan! For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. It was Jesus actually tempted yes he was he was tempted just as we are he was tempted with the very same temptations that we are tempted with lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes and the pride of life but he did not sin he did not give in to those temptations he could have temptation was there but he did not sin and it's a reminder for us too that the temptation itself is not sin sometimes we may feel discouraged because of of the temptations that we face but temptation itself is not sin we have a choice to make in times of temptation of whether or not we're going to give in to that temptation Jesus did not give in. And because he did not sin, it qualifies him to be the perfect, sinless sacrifice for our sins. Even going back to the animal sacrifices, we learned that, that they were to be without blemish. They were to be the, the first, firstborn and things of that nature, they were to, to be as perfect as they could be. And yet they were not perfect. And yet they did not completely take away sins. But you see, Jesus, He was perfect. He was without sin. No other could sacrifice themselves as He sacrificed Himself. For us, Jesus sacrifice atoned for the sins of the world. His sacrifice was perfect and complete. Matthew 26 in the institution of the Lord's Supper, we read this in verses 27 and 28, Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. In Acts chapter 10, Peter is speaking to the household of Cornelius said this in verse 39, Acts chapter 10 and verse 39. And we are witnesses of all these things which He did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed Him openly, not to all the people but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with Him after He arose from the dead. And He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that He who has ordained by God or was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead, to Him all the prophets witness that through His name whoever believes in Him will receive remission of sins. Jesus' blood was shed so that we could have the remission of our sins. Other sacrifices were inferior to the sacrifice of Christ. When they could not provide forgiveness of all sins, as we read in Hebrews 10 and verse 4, the sacrifice of Jesus' blood could offer remission of sins. Through our obedience to the word, remission of sins is provided for us based on our faith. By faithful obedience, we have access to the cleansing blood of Christ. Of this sacrifice, Jesus said in John 15 and verse 13. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. He offered himself as he, he did, because he loves us, because he loves us. Through his sacrifice, Jesus has become our high priest. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 4 for a moment. I want to begin reading in verse 14. We've already read verse 15. We'll read it again. Begin reading in verse 14 and we'll continue into the beginning of chapter 5. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. Because of this, he is required, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer sacrifices for sins. And no man takes his honor to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Jesus was appointed as high priest, Not because he exalted himself to do so, but because he was appointed by his Father, by God. Jesus differed from other high priests, such as Aaron. And and there are two or three different ways that that he differed. One in which he was, uh, as of the line of Melchizedek, he was Not only a high priest, but also king. But he was not only the one making the sacrifice on behalf of the people, as Aaron did, and as others did after him. But he was, in fact, the sacrifice being made for the people. It is stated by N.T. Wright in a book called Paul for Everyone, Romans Part 1, that as the mercy seat of the new covenant, Jesus becomes both the place where and the means by which atonement occurs. He is not only the one making the sacrifice, but He is the sacrifice. He is our great high priest. And as we are told in this passage, as we look especially at verse 15, a passage that we look at often, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses because he was tempted too. Just as we are tempted, so Jesus was tempted, but he didn't falter. He didn't fail. He did not give in. To sin. He did not give in to temptation. Aaron also could sympathize with the people. And so we had this illustration that is given on into chapter 5 because he he had sin too. He had to sacrifice not just for them, but as we looked at Leviticus 16, he also had to make sacrifices for himself and for his own household. He could sympathize with the people in that regard. Jesus could sympathize with us too because he was tempted and yet he was without sin. He showed us the way to overcome temptation. <coughs> Seeing then that we have a a great high priest, a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Only Jesus could serve in such capacity as he does today. Jesus is the atonement for our sin. It is through Jesus that atonement is made on our behalf for all of our sins. Through His blood we are offered full forgiveness of sins, past, present, and future, as long as we are obedient and faithful to God. His blood continues to cleanse us, to wash us clean. We have access to this forgiveness of sins through faith, through confession of faith, through repentance, and through baptism. We go back to Acts chapter 10 for a moment and we read what Peter said in verses 47 and 48. Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Our obedience is key to our salvation. Remember when we looked at Acts chapter 2 this morning. In verse 38 and what Peter told the Jews. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. It is through God's grace that we are saved. It is through our obedience that we are justified in our faith. We continue in God's grace through our faithfulness to His commands. It is important that we are obedient to the gospel. And if that's your need tonight, if you've not done that, then we would be glad to to help you in that need. Maybe it is that you've not continued in faithfulness and maybe you need to come back. Maybe you need to ask for assistance. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness or simply for prayer. Whatever your need is tonight, the invitation is extended to you. We would implore you to come. Together we stand and as we sing.